This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Zena Wiest, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Xpian, Janray, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Welcome back, everybody, to episode, I think, 108, but I didn't check my notes, but I'm going to go with 108 of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, in fact, Dave Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as usual by Jeffrey K. Roars, a recovering attorney and also a marketer for ExactTargetSalesforce.com and author of the amazing book, Audience. Mr. Roars, how are you? I am doing great, Jay, and yourself? I'm doing okay. It is sleeting right now, as per usual, uh, this winter, so I've got that to look forward to. Uh, also joined on the big show this week by our talented friend, Zena Wiest, from Kansas City area, Mizzo. Z, what's going on? Hey, it's great here. It's sunny and about uh, 40, so there's no complaining. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it kind of amazing that we're at the point now where sunny and 40, we're like, oh, awesome. Seriously, <laughs> true story. I was, I'm not making this up. This weekend, I went downtown to pick up uh, something at a store, and it was 32, and I put down the windows in my car because it was, <laughs> oh, yeah. it was so nice out compared to what it has been. This entire year at 32 is now the demarcation. You know, you know your Midwestern wins. Yeah, seriously, there yes, should be. Exactly. Yeah, it, I was like, this. What have what have I become? Was was kind of my question. It was. I bet uh, you had shorts and a t-shirt on. I didn't. I did not. I did, but my son did. I mean, my son's like, you know did what? You say, I'm just wearing shorts. Did you say shorts and a t-shirt? Does Jay have a pair of shorts? Uh, I know, but I have Spanx, and I do have a pair of Spanx. We should get Spanx on the podcast. Let's work on that. There we go. Let's do that. Or Meggings. Have you heard of those? Yes, I have heard of no. Meggings. What, yes. what are those? Man Leggings. <laughs> oh, my God. Even tighter than Leggings, Jeff. <laughs> Believe it or not. By the brand, are those by the brand TMI? <laughs> it's like the pajama jeans, right? Those are awesome, too. You see those at the, at the convenience store around here. Oh, yeah. Those are comfy. All right, I'm going to move on to introducing our very special guest, uh, the fantastically smart, too smart for us, uh, social media and online communities manager of Tyson Foods, Miss Susan Beebe. Susan, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Fantastic. What is the weather like in Fayetteville, Arkansas right now? You're going to be jealous because it's 60 and sunny. Oh, man, I thought you guys were supposed oh, to be in the wow. middle of, like, Snowmageddon or some sort of ice storm or something. We crawled out of the snow, and I'm thrilled to see it melting. We had, like, freezing, and then now it's just like, boom, springs here. That's awesome. Man, good for you. Tell us, a little bit about, tell us a little bit about the lineup at, at Tyson Foods. I think everybody, uh, maybe not everybody, but most people who listen to the podcast, I'm, I'm sure, are familiar with the brand Tyson. Uh, but when doing some research for the show, you make more stuff than I thought. Um, could you illuminate the folks at home about that? You bet. We actually sell more beef than chicken. So, yeah. We that I did not know. Food. That is a fascinating fact. Is that true? It must be true. You wouldn't have said that. It is true. In fact, you can find out cool stuff like that on our investor area of TysonFoods.com. It's ir.tysonfoods.com. And you can look at all the cool things. We own a lot more than 
beef, chicken, and pork. We're expanding heavily into prepared foods, so you're seeing a lot more innovation and new food flavors and flavor profiles that Tyson's creating. And it's a company that's also expanding. I don't know if you follow, but the last few months we have acquired a number of companies, so we're not just one area. We're expanding and growing our profile. So it's a company that it's definitely got more than just Tyson. We have other brands. We have tortilla chips, for example. We have flatbreads. We make a lot of the pizza crust, the pepperoni, in the food service industry as well. So we're really a big company. It's an eye-opener for me as well. I joined in April this year, and I, like most people, thought it was just chicken and you know maybe a little bit more. It's a lot more than just chicken. Sometimes marketing programs work too well when you say, Tyson were chicken years ago. That program stuck a little too well, didn't it? Yeah, so, no kidding. <laughs> we kind of laugh about that. And it's like, wow, you know, it's something where people need to know that Tyson is way beyond just chicken, way beyond just meat. So it's a company that for we just launched a product called Daystarts, which is an omelet that has sausage. And there's one with bacon and cheese. So we're having food products that are across the spectrum of all meals all types of different appetites and different needs, whether you're mobile or you want to prepare a whole chicken fresh yourself or just grab something right out of the deli. That's We're really trying to satisfy a lot of folks, different types of you know, buying and eating behaviors. So from a social media content marketing perspective, how do you structure that? We've had other folks on the show, I think uh, specifically uh, Kevin Hunt from General Mills, who has lots and lots of different brands, of course, in the General Mills portfolio. We've had other folks uh, on the show in a similar context. So do you have different people uh, on your team managing the chicken nuggets versus something else? or are, are you operating horizontally across the entire brand portfolio? A great question. So I personally sit in the PR area, so corporate social media is my thing, and we have the all the Tyson Foods handles in our group, and then marketing has their brand channel. So you mentioned chicken nuggets, for example. So that marketing team is specifically the ones that own the strategy and the execution around their particular pages. So they have product pages, for example, the day starts one, there's chicken nuggets, there's Club Tyson, which is really around the Club store buyer, Sam's or Costco that's buying Tyson, larger package. And then you've got the Tyson Foods Twitter account, which I run personally mm-hmm. with my team. And then we've got Kyle Gibson, my colleague, who runs the Facebook for Tyson Foods. And then we've got, you know, really a number of properties on the corporate side. So we've got Pinterest and YouTube and all the usual things like LinkedIn. Those we've started growing over the last year. So the corporate presence really was smaller. It started out with just hunger relief, which, by the way, is a really big deal with Tyson. Big deal. Our company, our company will surprise me. It has almost donated 100 million pounds of food. That's a lot of food. So each truckload is about 30,000 pounds. So imagine how many truckloads that is. That's a lot. So one of the values of Tyson is really to give back, and we love to give food away to food banks and those who are in need who ask us. So you'll find we're doing a lot of events around hunger relief or disaster response, like more Oklahoma. We drove out there. We were like there the the next day, feeding people warm meals. And even the military was grabbing food from us and FEMA and whatnot. So it is something where the social media presence really started out with hunger relief. So it was around a passionate topic that the company had. And Ed Nicholson actually was the one who spearheaded it. He did a great job of building out 
the TysonHungerRelief.com blog, and then the Twitter handle, and a Facebook page. And over time, that has evolved beyond hunger, which is still a core community that we love and we nurture quite a bit, and we connect with online. Even things like AgChat comes into play because of, uh, say, like Rancher Relief. I can talk about that program, too. It was a cool thing where we helped raise money for the ranchers that were affected by that storm, yeah. the Atlas Blizzard, which was, yes. as you know, you're from the Midwest. That's a big deal, right? Yeah, I worked on that program a little bit with those AgChat folks. So we, we started out Hunger Relief, and over time we've grown. So the, the corporate side is growing, and then the marketing teams, so you've got that split out where different brands are managing their own presence online. One of the things we've seen in the past with complex organizations like yours, and we've had uh, people in a, in a role similar to yours on the show, is that sometimes they also, in addition to managing the corporate profiles, uh, kind of serve as the, um, as not necessarily a hub, but, but certainly a sounding board for individual brand teams to try and achieve some measure of consistency or best practices, whether it's content best practices uh, or, or even software adoption, things like that across the enterprise. Do you get involved in that as well, or do the brand guys pretty much um, go their own way? That's a great question. And we do act as a social media governance spot. We serve as like consultants, if you will. So we are the ones that are training folks on how to do social right. We work closely with our legal team as well, who has uh, been fantastic, actually, in helping our company grow and mature so that we're not stepping on, you know, the wrong legal procedures and we're making sure that the content is accurate for our audience. But we do have training classes internally. And then we also work on vendors. So personally, I'm running a project right now looking at the enterprise and what are the needs that we have out there in content and scaling out account management, content calendars, and even things like a commercial that we just ran over the Olympics. How do we take that content and put it across all the pages? That's a challenge we have right now. So one of the things we're looking at is how can we as a company with all these different teams be cohesive and have a consistent voice online? And it's a challenging thing to do. Absolutely. It has both the human capital issues as well as the software technology issues. And increasingly with, with social and content becoming so much more nimble and, and responsive, um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we don't have the luxury of contemplation that we that we once did a little That's while true. ago. Yes. What's your take on real time marketing? Um, you see a lot of real time attempts from people in the food business and the consumables world, um, whether it's for Tyson or not, or just you being an expert and being in the game for a long time. What's your take on, on the whole RTM scenario? RTM, as we know, really took off with the Oreo cookie, you know, the dunk that was heard around the world during the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And this year I had the honor of serving on the hashtag bowl with Marketing Land. And one of the things I saw there was there was a couple of times that brands try to step up and do that same cool moment. It's hard to kind of manufacture, but there are things where brands can kind of anticipate opportunities. And so you'll have teams that are trying to figure out content play that they can make, their own football strategy, right? They're sitting there in the game and they know certain scenarios are going to play out. And so they try to anticipate and hop into it. But I think some of them come off a little contrived, a little too worked, a little too fake. So it's hard to be authentic and it's hard to be so real in the moment. Uh, A lot of folks, you know, certain teams don't have, you know, 30 people carving up a piece of food to 
you know, match that particular moment. It's really a challenge, I think, for marketers, uh, communication folks like myself to come off, you know, genuine and have this beautiful piece of artwork done so quickly. And then how do you get it in front of legal? Say yeah. it's a, a football game. That's a hard thing to do, right? So you have to have a really, really nimble team that can execute execute really quick and obviously have great ideas to boot. Zena, do you want to? I think it's going to probably be less and less important. I think even at the Super Bowl, we saw people not trying to do that as much as I expected. And it was kind of a relief, actually. <laughs> yeah. And Susan, what we, a couple of podcasts ago, we were talking about this and we came up with the term buzz wedgie. Which oh, was, that's great. You know, because it was almost like, okay, let's take advantage of this. But then it kind of fell a little flat because mm-hmm. they were kind of shoehorning their way in and it wasn't right on brand. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't right, you know. Um, so it's a buzz wedge that kind of went wrong. You know, that's the buzz wedgie. So when you were describing that, <laughs> I was, I was, I am in um, day and I said, she is exact. She's nailed the buzz wedgie. <laughs> It's so true. And it, like I was saying, you know, it's so contrived and it almost might hurt your brand if you're not careful with it because you're mm-hmm. trying too hard. Just be your own brand. Be yourself. You don't have to be seizing the moment to be that cool. I think your fans would actually appreciate a well thought out post that has more heart and soul behind it than just something cool in the moment. I just don't feel like I need a yogurt to congratulate my Olympic medal winners or whatever. Like, I just don't really I don't. I just don't feel like that's what's missing in my life. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think maybe about I, the brands playing back and forth like Cheerios? Uh, that bugs me. Ev- that, that bugs me that even bugs more so. Even more so. Oh yeah. Because because it's so it's 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 self-referential on top of a self-referential, and it's particularly mm-hmm. stupid in my estimation on Twitter, where what percentage of your followers saw the first tweet, much less the second tweet, much less the third tweet, right? It's not as if Twitter's threaded. If it was a truly threaded place, you know, in the way that that a message board was threaded, uh, or even if it was done on email, where you know you were at least going to receive every side of that conversation, um, it, it would make more sense. You can obviously you can get your tweets threaded, but but inherently it's not. So uh, I just I just feel like it it presumes that your audience is paying attention at a level that they probably are not. I I felt like it was an internal high five, you know, to the fishbowl, to people within the industry, you know, and and not, like you said, not speaking to the customers. So talking above. Yeah. If you ask, if you ask eight digital marketers or 10 digital marketers, did you see, you know, Taco Bell calling out, you know, Levi's or whatever, they were like, yeah, it was great. I read about it. And, you know, and if you ask 10 moms, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I'm just trying to get my kids to practice. Like, I don't have time for this. You know, it just, it just gets a little, Zena said it, it's just a little too much in the fishbowl for me. But maybe that's the middle-aged Midwesterner in me at this point that I'm no longer, no longer the cool, the, the cool kid that I once was and never was. Um, well, Jay, that, that raises an interesting question uh, that I'd like to ask, and that is, you know, for the target audiences that you're going after, what has been the seismic shift in, in social media consumption or, you know, has there been a fundamental change as these channels have matured? That's a great question and it would be hard to answer. I think one of the things that really sticks out to me is that more and more people are getting their content from mobile. I know for years this has been, you know, really well spoken, but I think it's so, so true. You look at your insights and across any of these platforms, you're gonna see more and more people are social on their phone and they're looking for food. Our company in particular has an opportunity to interact with that user 
at the awareness and the consideration stage, but actually in the store. So it's really amazing the opportunity that we have to target folks where they're at, at their point of need. So I think the real shift for the food industry is not just throwing your, your messaging out, that broadcast, hey, here's go buy our stuff. I think it's being useful as a food company. How can we better you know, serve the needs of our customers and provide them with the kind of social content they want to see at the moment they need it? So if you're at a store and you're actually looking for what's for dinner, or if you're at work and you're you know, on your lunch hour and you're trying to figure out, what am I going to serve for dinner in just a few hours? Or what am I going to pick up for dinner? Maybe you don't want to cook that night. You know, that's where I think opportunity in the food industry exists because a lot of people don't cook at home. They pick up prepared food or they go to a restaurant. I eat a lot myself. So it's something where I need food ideas. I don't want to eat the same thing over and over. So I need inspiration. That's interesting because you're almost identifying a different sort of prime time yeah, for absolutely. your particular audience, right? Right. So like, you think about it, the food industry, if you look at Twitter and you type in a search, and Twitter has done a great job of helping us identify this trend, people look for different food terms at different times of day. So you're going to see less talk about what am I going to make for dinner on Friday because guess what? People go out to eat on Friday. So that's less of top of mind on a Friday. So we're back on, you know, say a Monday or Thursday, it's definitely top of mind. So it's better opportunity. Friday, less opportunity. Great for a restaurant, right? So the restaurants here, they have an opportunity to step up and be that voice because that's where the customers are going. How much have you seen the tilt toward visuals in social media impact what you're doing day to day? I should tell folks who, who don't know uh, Susan Beebe's background that that before she was at Tyson she was at uh, Dell and helped set up many of the uh, social media programs at Dell. In fact, she was their chief listener uh, for a while, and so you've been on the listening and, and pulling uh, insights out of social chatter side of the world for quite a while. Uh, now it seems that everything is is becoming much more about pictures and videos, possibly because of the rise of mobile and, and, and other reasons as well that we've talked about here on the show in the past. How much does the visual side of social impact what you're doing at Tyson now versus maybe what you were doing uh, at Dell or, or, or anything else a couple of years ago? Well, for food, it's huge. I will tell you this. If you look at all the media types, so like video, photo, or text, across the board, we have much better performance with photos. So think about food and how much that picture conveys. So you have a piece of broccoli, or you say the word broccoli, which one do you think is going to be more appetizing? If it's cooked a certain way, it might be appetizing. If it has cheese on it, it's going to be even more appetizing, right? Or it has a piece of grilled chicken breast next to it. Then it's tossed with like a Thai sauce. Now you're conveying a whole meal idea to someone, and they're like, hmm, I'm inspired. I want to cook that tonight. And they'll go click on your tweet or your Facebook post. Food is such a powerful visual medium. And one of the things I'm excited about is this new trend, and I don't know if you've noticed it, but tell me if you have, where more and more food pictures are taken overhead, so like a direct overshot. So in the past, you saw food photos that were kind of taken from the side, but now the trend is to take food shots overhead. So to me, it's kind of like, hmm, how can I get more overhead shots and get that more edgy look? Some of it's rustic and get like a wood table, and it depends on the setting you're going after. But I think visual is huge in the food industry. You can't really get anywhere without visuals. It's a must-have. 
one of the cool visuals I'm really hoping to bring and deliver this year, we just hired a chef on our team. Matthew Boring is a new chef that will be tweeting with our food service group. And he is going to be tweeting from Tyson Food Service Handle. And one of the things we're wanting to do with him and his team is to tweet and vine out some sort videos on like how to crack an egg with one hand or how to fry up a chicken and make dinner in 10 minutes or to you know make a pizza you know in 20 minutes. So it's a kind of thing where we want to be able to do more visual and instructional quick short soundbite like kind of content. So expect that in the coming year. We're hoping to get more and more helpful tips and information from a chef who's tweeting. How cool is that? That's really nice. Sort of like the Lowe's Fix and Six program that we've talked about um, on, the, on yeah, the show that I love That was an inspiration so for us. Yeah, this, it's a great, great program. Uh, and Brad has been on the show uh, here to talk about it. I love I love what they're doing. I use it in, in presentations all the time. So now you got to make sure you tell me so I can put it in the uh, in the next utility book or the utility presentations. I would love to. That would be great. Speaking of being the chief listener, one question I wanted to ask you is about your split on the Twitter side. So you've got the the, the Tyson um, Twitter handle that you run, but then you have the the Talk to Tyson account as well, right? Which I think is more of a customer service handle. Is that right? And you sort of have two different right. sides. Is that more of a marketing side and a customer service side? Can you talk about sort of how that came to pass and and the the wisdom or the planning behind that? So that was um, an account, you're right, it's customer service channel. So how that works is if we spot a customer service issue, whether there's a quality or, hey, there's a bone in my nugget or something like that, or I, you know, I didn't get the coupon I thought I was getting or something like that, those will go to the customer service team and they respond. There's a separate group of folks that we work with very closely, very tightly with, and they respond and they're even expanding hours. So they're growing and they're seeing call deflection in the traditional sense, and it's going more and more to Twitter and Facebook, as I expected it would, right? As we grow our channels, people are going to find us online and they're going to engage with the brand. So that is purely customer service. It's not marketing. It's really all about helping the customer and making sure that they are aware that we're online to help them. And sometimes they'll tweet out helpful things like food safety or how to cook or how to use a food you know, temperature thermometer, things like that. For the most part, you know, it's like a back channel for social And is that staffed by dedicated people who are working on that? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Dan, then I'll jump in. Okay. I was just going to ask you, is that staffed by people who that's sort of all they do, or do they have other uh, customer service responsibilities as well? Oh, that's a great question. They do the regular customer service, so they're on phone, email for Tyson, and then we have folks that are doing Twitter and Facebook as well. So it's the same team. In fact, last week I just went through a round of Twitter training with them, all of them. And so helping them get even the apps that we use on their phones and making them understand where the documents are or our responses that we have. We have a you know coordinated team where our PR team works with us closely with legal, and then we have everybody in the company is using the same consistent messaging for like a food topic or you know the basic 101 you know response back for customers. Great, thanks. Go ahead, Z. And this ties in nicely with the first question that I have for you, which is your employees. So you have the employees, it sounds like, that are kind of charged with social. But with over, I know you guys have over 100,000 employees. 115,000 um, and growing. And oh, my we, gosh. Goodness. We have, I think that's about 14,000 that are like professional staff, and then the remainder are at plant communities. So they might be hourly workers at a food production plant. 
So we've got about, gosh, I'm going to ballpark it, two or 3,000 at Tyson headquarters, and then we have a lot of other large facilities throughout the country. We're a rather large company and with a large footprint in the U.S., and we're growing globally as well. So we have Brazil, Mexico, China, and India. So Yes, so how do you do yeah. social? Yeah, it's huge. We haven't I mean, how do you? Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm just wondering when somebody, you know, whether profession, you know, professional or hourly, I'm sure there are a lot of advocates there, right? Mm-hmm. That are just, I mean, you, what I love about you, Susan, is, is how you're just, I mean, you're, you're exuding love for Tyson. You're living the brand, you know, with this podcast. I just, I love how you're championing it. I'm sure there's a, there are a lot of other Tyson employees out there. So is that kind of next step on what you're, you know, going to be bringing to the table is, is training, you know, um, the rest of corporate and then rolling it out as far as, you know, social sharing and, and, you know, how to communicate and be a brand advocate online? That's a great question. So Ed Nicholson and Jack Pate, my boss, are working on an internal program. So yes, that's already happened. And we've done training, or the four of us have done some initial pilot training. And we are you know, working on a, a small group of us on Yammer as well. So it has begun. It is officially starting, which I'm excited about, to be honest, because I am a huge advocate of getting internal collaboration going, not just for the social part, but for the the connectivity of getting people out of their email and into a social platform, right? So I love the ability to have, you know, these enterprise 2.0 technologies to connect with all the plant communities we have and with the global presence we have. The power of these tools is really huge, and it's really untapped for us. We haven't got there yet. We're just scratching the surface. But you're right. We have a lot of people at Tyson that are already tweeting. We've told them how to disclose for FCC rules, but Tyson employee or I work for Tyson. And so we are getting some training out there. We've done some things that are all hands meeting as well to let them know how to be proper and do it right. And uh, it's wonderful to see even our employees that tweet with us, at Facebook with us or comment on LinkedIn. And so we're seeing a, a growing base of people that are getting interested in downloading Twitter on their phones and tweeting or Facebooking even. So it's definitely cool. We're not near where we were at Dell when I was training there, but I'm excited about where the future is for sure. Yeah, and you've got such great, you know, case studies to show them on what you're doing and how it inspires, you know, your customers. So it just, you know, help them to share it, you know, just seeing how, you know, the things that you're providing are really helping the customers. So good luck on that. I can't wait to see that roll out. Um, the other question I have is, you know, given your listening background, um, which I so appreciate, what what you're doing now, are you seeing that as a stepping stone to product innovation, like listening to the conversations you were talking about Twitter and, and food terminology and things, you know, kind of rising to the top? Are you seeing that not just as far as reactive, but also going after proactive, like product innovation, things along those lines? Yes, that's a great question, too. Um, there's a few things that I've spotted, uh, trends that I look for, like word clouds. I'll do particular research around food, and I have actually given a few of those ideas to some of the folks in our R&D lab. So we have a large R&D campus uh, building. It's actually one of my favorite places to go walk around. There's 19 modern kitchens over there. It's beautiful. It's all open glass. It's just really, really pretty. If you ever want a tour, let me know. It's pretty. Uh, it's really quite fun to see all the innovation in food. There's a sensory lab. There's a lot of technology for food. There's culinary. 
uh, certified folks. It's actually called colonologists, and I think our company has the largest amount of colonologists of any food company, which is quite cool to know. So we take it very seriously, and we actually will bring some of our customers to Tyson, and we will sit down with them, and say they're a large customer uh, that serves a lot of food in a restaurant setting or whatnot, and they say, hey, we want to have the next cool thing. Our company will sit down with that customer and help them devise a whole new profile of flavors and types of food to serve so that they're the first one to serve it. It's really kind of neat. So we actually partner with customers in helping them develop new kinds of food. So think of like the cronut, right? Taking two things and fusing them together and making a cool new hip trendy food out of it. Well, we're doing that every day in our um, discovery center, which is where all the innovation goes on. Really quite cool. So social listening, I think, is a factor. And you bring this up, I, I love it that you think that way. Because at Dell, I did the same thing. People were asking for a red color laptop. I gave those to the product team. They actually brought the red color back. People went nuts for that. So I would love to build that out too. And um, I definitely need to pick that up again. I did it when I first started. But it is something where listening, you know, you really want to be able to tap into that, you know, customer mindset. What are they looking for? Even chefs are talking about what kind of, kinds of struggles they have and what kind of foods they want to prepare, but they don't know how to do it. Or they they feel like they're on the edge of something, but they can't quite lock it in. That's where Tyson could. One thing that I think is really fascinating, and one of the reasons why I think you're a particularly effective uh, player in the role that you're in, Susan, is that your background is actually in both law and IT, and you may be the only global social media manager who is both an IT professional and an IT consultant of, of uh, a noteworthy IT consultant and uh, an actual attorney. So could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit in terms of your path to this point? So I should clarify, I'm not an attorney. I'm actually a bar certified paralegal. So UCLA has a really cool um, bar certification for paralegals and that's a wonderful program. They were one of the first to do it. So I was thrilled to do it. I actually left my legal job at State Farm years ago and became my own consultant when I was making more money doing IT on weekends. So it was the launch of my own business, and I really enjoyed it. And what's done for me is those two backgrounds in law and tech have been instrumental, and I'll tell you why. The legal background, I was in defense, so I defended people 24-7. And in ER, guess what you do? You defend people 24-7. So you're always thinking about the customer's perspective, and defending them with effective language that the customer understands, and yet you're being real with them. You're not trying to give them PRs. In social, it's really important to be able to convey, you know, hey, here's why we're doing what we're doing, and you know, be real with the just like in a legal setting. And in the technology part, I have to say this is really an area where you've got to know web, and you need to understand HTML and applications and APIs and mobile and apps and social listening dashboards and all this stuff is pretty geeky, right? So the more you are technical, the better I think you're suited to be in social. It's really important to have some geeky skill. And you know, I kind of tried myself once in a while for not knowing how to code more because I think I could do more in my role. Yeah. And I think it's good for us as we you know, really look at our skill set. You know, push your boundaries. You know, don't be comfortable. Don't ever be comfortable. Keep pushing your boundaries. Keep learning. I'm one of those little kids that was always wanting to learn. I lived in the library. So it's no wonder that I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my career. So I did legal and then the, the IT was kind of fell into place. I was one of those people that didn't go the web.com way. I went the 
managed services side. During the yeah. 90s, everybody everybody needed IT, and that's good. But I find it now, it's really been great background, the legal background for writing, because you've got to copyright, you've got to write a ton of stuff. Or and then you always have to be you know, mindful of claims that you might be making on behalf of a company. And you can know copyright and trademark. And so those are actually really useful skills in the tech, of course. It's very, very useful with all the social and applications and you know, technical stuff, or even running a blog or trying to add a widget. Pretty useful. Well, so often people on social media should ch- ch- chafe against the legal uh, the legal bit, but and, and want to have legal sort of bend to their will. You know, just let me do marketing. Why are you an impediment? But but I always feel like you know you gotta you gotta walk a mile. Like I, I think corporations would be a lot better off having sort of a buddy program. It's like, look, okay, marketing person, why don't you go sit with the lawyers for a week and see what they actually do uh, and go. see what they're actually responsible <laughs> for, and then you won't be quite so uh, pedantic about your criticism. Absolutely. And a lot of times it's really in your best interest to partner with the attorneys right off the bat. And I have a very deep, good friendship with the attorney from Dell, even to this day, and immediately embrace the lawyers at uh, Tyson. And they are my best buddies, too. And they give me high fives in the hallway, so I know I'm doing my job right. So, Susan, this is Jeff. I'm actually a recovering attorney. so Recovering, I, I, I went, love that. Yes, I went through the, the entirety of practice for a couple years. Uh, it, well, lifelong recovery, right? You you never fully recover, and that's actually kind of the gist of my question. Do you, um, you know, I, I definitely agree with you both on the writing side and on the partnership side with the legal team that those can be beneficial. But do you do you find it sometimes that um, kind of the conservative cautionary side of your legal mind um, is something you have to kind of work around when you're really trying to open up creative ideas because. You know, to, to truly blue sky, you almost have to do it without fear of regulation or anything else and then back out from there, right, uh, and introduce the limitations at that point. But has that ever been an impediment or is it something that you've, you know, been able to kind of work out in your career? That's a really cool question. I love that you asked it because it is something I struggle with, to be honest. It is something where I find myself a little constrained because I'm, I'm in that legal box. I have that frame of mind first. Uh, and I'm kind of a geek too, so I'll think of geeky solutions first as well. So it is something where, you know, your own personality gets in the way. So here's my secret. I look at it from the audience perspective. What would the audience, right? We're always trying to write and appeal to our audience. And really the one of the best things about getting good content out there is understanding their perspective and the first one. I can step outside of myself. I can oftentimes get around my own limitations or my barriers, right? It's almost like horsey blinders. You take those off for a minute and you, you really are freed up. You're right about that. Calling that out is a good one because it does make you really, you know, kind of gun shy. It makes you like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. But then you're you're not in that blue sky moment. You're in a gray sky moment. You're, you're over cloudy. Right. You know? So you're really yep. right. Good call. We'll be back with more from Susan uh, in the big two questions section of the show. And Susan, we certainly encourage you to weigh in on the next two segments if you would like to. I want to first remind everybody out there listening to Social Pros that this podcast is brought to you by the good people at Exact Target, a world leader in interactive marketing software, powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of thousands and thousands of companies all over the place. Uh, Exact Target has a fantastic bit of information that you should go download. 
It is called the 2014 State of Marketing Report, wherein Exact Target interviewed more than 2,500 marketers from all around the world and got a handle on what they are spending their money on, what they are finding effective, how they're measuring success, and a bunch of other data points that you should know. In fact, you should download the 2014 State of Marketing Report and benchmark it against what you're doing in your organization to see how you stack up. You can grab that for free as soon as this show is over at ar.gy slash state of marketing. That's ar.gy slash state of marketing. Also a reminder that Social Pros, this very podcast is brought to you by the good people at XBI, a centralized platform for empowering global brands, agencies, and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts. XBion put together a research report of their own where they analyzed more than 16,000 Facebook posts from 50 top retailers and made a bunch of decisions about how you can make your own Facebook presence more impactful and effective. You should download the XBion Fave 50 report for free again as soon as the show is over at ar.gy slash fave50. That's ar.gy slash fave five zero all lowercase, and that's from the good people at XBion. Okay, Zena, are you ready for Holy Social? I am, and continuing with the Too Smart for Us guest theme and my quest to one-up Jeff, Shannon Paul is with us with Fifth Third Bank, and she's going to be talking about a program that they're doing, um, hashtag paid to the order of, and Jeff, eat your heart out. Shannon, take it away. So we have a live Holy Social. Thank you for that. Uh, Yes, it's a live Holy Social. Um, So uh, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, You are welcome. So right now uh, with Fifth Third Bank, um, we have a really exciting campaign that's underway right now. well, first, for um, any new checking household, we are offering a cash bonus, which I know lots of banks do this. But um, this one in particular is where um, if you open a new checking account with us, you set up direct deposit, you complete three online bill pays, we give you $150, and then we also give Stand Up to Cancer, which is a great organization, $150. Um, we're doing that because we have a really, um, we've, we're really proud of the work that Stand Up to Cancer does. And, um, you know, our big thing at Fifth Third Bank is that we are the curious bank and um, we're always looking for, you know, unique solutions, really smart solutions to help improve people's lives. And so um, we're, we're really excited about this program and we're so excited. We wanted, we thought about, you know, how do we not only get new customers, but how do we get, you know, everybody excited about being a part of, being a part of, um, you know, helping the fight against cancer and sharing personal stories of, of triumph and struggle. And so what we are doing right now is that for everybody who either shares a photo, an image, a story, anything, a, a Vine video about um, who they paid the order of in the fight against cancer, um, we will donate a dollar for every use of that hashtag to stand up to cancer as well. Um, so if you if you go to actually we have a landing page at 53.com slash SU2C um, you'll see a lot of, of great things that we have created in support of this campaign we've got our TV spots we've got some behind the scenes videos of our TV spots and then we also have um, a lot of user generated content these are all images that have been submitted by people either on our website with our photo uploader where you can create a, an overlay on your image and share it via social media 
or people who've just gone out to Instagram or Vine or Twitter or Facebook and shared a, a personal, um, you know, who they're fighting for in, in, against cancer or, you know, something that has, is meaningful to them with our hashtag. And, and we're, we're scanning those every day so that we can, we can help uh, stand up to cancer. And what I really love about this, there's twofold. When you were ta- when we talked when we were talking about this last week, and we were going through kind of what your objectives and goals were. Two things that really stuck out for me, Shannon, were you know this the integration that you have with PR and marketing. It's this with with social. The hashtag is definitely there, but it's it's woven in kind of to a long term program. And this hashtag. Again, it's not just a moment. It's it's not just a week. This this program goes on and on, and you don't have to take advantage of the offer to actually give to the charity, um, which I think that you know both of those things really highlight something to me that just made this very holy social. You're kind of leading the charge, but there's traditional elements, and then mm-hmm. also this is an extended way to use a hashtag, which I haven't seen in many campaigns at all. Thanks. Yeah, I mean that was really important to us. We wanted to make sure that we were we were thinking through not only how to, you know, of course, you know, we want people to open checking accounts with us, but at the same time, we are thinking, you know, we know that only I think at any given point in time, 15% of the population is thinking about a bank at all. <laughs> so we know that 85% of the time, most people aren't thinking about this. So we really wanted to think about ways we could, um, you know, build relationships with people. And you know, the Stand Up to Cancer organization is is you know nationwide. It's global. We we have a, a footprint. You know, we're in the Midwest. We're in the South, um, the Southeast. And so, um, you know, we know that not everybody can have a checking account with us. And we wanted to make sure that you know everybody who is is really excited about this organization or really believes in their mission um, could could participate with us and engage with us and um, you know and and for existing customers too I know that you know we wanted to think about ways that they could participate and engage with us in this program and, and feel really good about doing business with us without you know having to think about well gee I can't open a new checking account because I already have a checking account with you so um, we thought the the hashtag and the dollar donation was a really exciting way to do that yeah, I the new promotions. I we see this all the time with, you know, the cable co the cable codes and the telcos, where you know somebody new gets this great deal, but you know the people that have been with them forever, ever the loyalty, you know, customers, they don't get anything. And in this way, at least, you know, with your customers, they can pay it forward, you know, and get a dollar to a really great. Um, organization that is helping folks with cancer. So I love that. Can you share again um, what people need to do in order to tweet or, or, you know, put it on Facebook or Instagram just so that our listeners know that they can do this and hopefully we'll get some more dollars headed to Stand Up for Cancer? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of great examples on our um, on our campaign landing page. It's everybody tells me we have the shortest URL. <laughs> we don't need a URL shortener because it's 53.com. So it's 53.com/su2c for stand up to cancer. Um, you can also you know search for it. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, but if basically if you if you share who you are fighting for in the fight against cancer with the hashtag pay to the order of um, just all spelled out that way. Um, we will we will donate a dollar to Stand Up to Cancer for each each use of that. 
I think we I think the terms our lawyer said per username per day. <laughs> so <laughs> you can read the full terms uh, and conditions at five three dot com Susan, are you okay with that? You can't shoot it out, you know, on all all of the you know, all of your social footprint. It can only be on one, right? Well once a day. <laughs> so, once a day. There you go. Right, right. <laughs> But yeah, um, that's that's basically it. It's just using the hashtag. Let us know who you pay to the order of. Um, you know, another really exciting part of this is uh, people who do open an account in Branch. Um, we have a, a big one of those big checks. You know that you you remember like Ed McMahon would show up on your doorstep. We have a big check that people can actually fill in the name of the person who they're who they're opening the account for, who they pay to the order of, and they we we take their picture in the Branch with their phone, and then we give them instructions for how to use the hashtag and get that dollar donation for Stand Up to Cancer. Oh, I love that. So then, yeah, yeah that, I mean, then they can share it on their social on their social sites with with yeah. their own picture. That's great. I mean, that is we, that's a way to give them help with the user generated content, but it's them actually deciding whether they're going to share it or not, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, well, I mean, how many times do you really get a chance to hold up a big check? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Love it. Pretty neat to see a brand enable. Uh, a consumer to step up and give like that, so it's a pretty cool campaign. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're we're so excited about it. Um, the promotion, the checking account promotion is running through the end of March, and then the hashtag we've extended through the end of June. So um, we we are, like Zena said, we are in this for the long haul. So and we're 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 so excited by all the great content that we're getting and you know as a bank it's just we're thrilled when people actually want to share you know personal you know stories with us or who they are you know it's it's much different than that transactional way we think about a bank where we're really trying to you know build relationships with people and and things that they're passionate about and things that matter to them Jay this might be one for your upcoming ebook Yeah no doubt great stuff Shannon Thanks so much. It's great to have you back on the show. Shannon was uh, on episode 40 of Social Pros. So for more on her and what she's doing at Fifth Third Bank, uh, dig into the show archives and you can uh, check that out. Thanks. Jeff, are you ready for uh, the social media number of the week? I am indeed. I mean, you want me to start it or are we going to plug? No, I want you to think about it while I tell people okay, that this podcast but this podcast is brought to you by the good people at Jan Rain, the leaders in social media sign-in and data collection. Uh, Jan Rain has a really interesting uh, book that you can download that helps you collect better data on your website. So, of course, we all have forms and sign-ups and stuff like that that we're trying to get people to fill out. Well, they help you not only improve your conversion rates, but also overall customer satisfaction by using social media log in as well as other technologies to make that more seamless. There's a lot of best practices though. There's some ways you can do that well and some ways you can do that less than well. And Janrate has put together a terrific ebook that tells you the difference. Uh, you can download that at ar.gy slash profiles. That's ar.gy slash profiles, all lowercase. And also I'm doing a webinar with Janrain uh, all about best practices in uh, customer segmentation and relevancy on April 1st. So I'll tell you more about that or just uh, just Google search Jan Rain J Bear and you'll get more information all about it. We'll also put a link in the show notes. 
Social Pros is also brought to you by the good people at Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools to the PR industry. Cision has a free downloadable ebook all about content marketing. If you're in the public relations industry, even if you're not a PR agency person, if you're just in comms, you should download their ebook called Power Your Story, Content Marketing Essentials for PR. You can get that at ar.gy slash power story. That's ar.gy slash power story. In fact, by the time you hear this show, I will have just returned from Toronto, Canada, doing a presentation about utility for the good folks at Decision in Canada. Thanks very much for bringing me up there. It's going to be fun. I'm bringing a coat and a scarf. And now, Jeff, it is time for the social media number of the week. Rockin'. I am uh, pulling an audible, and the number is 165,000. 165,000. That's the number of employees at Tyson Foods. It is not. That is the number of Twitter followers that uh, insurance uh, gained due to the Super Bowl, at least two weeks out. And what's interesting about that number, there there are a couple different angles to look at this. First of all, um, if you look at the reporting in the days right after the Super Bowl, some counts had it uh, as high as um, 277,000 followers that they had. They had started with about 9,000. And that number is now at 174,000 uh, as of our recording here. So the, the net gain was somewhere close to 165,000 with, uh, I suspect, uh, a lot of uh, bots and uh, also people who followed them just solely for the giveaway of the $1.5 million uh, with their insurance save 30 hashtag promotion, the commercial they ran in the last break after the Super Bowl game, um, with those folks abandoning them. But they still picked up 165,000 folks. And that compares quite favorably to the advertiser last week, who we mentioned a bit earlier on the Super Bowl, who used their ad to gain Instagram followers, Oreo, they gained about 80,000, 85,000 Instagram followers last week, which begs the question, why don't more Super Bowl advertisers have intriguing, creative calls to action to build audience on the back of their Super Bowl commercials? And it is the question that continues to haunt me because I have uh, analyzed uh, both the last two years of Super Bowl commercials and was dumbfounded this year uh, that... Uh, it actually went backwards in terms of the type of engagement that uh, brands were asking for. There's a lot of kind of afterthought hashtags. So now that we're, you know, about a month removed from the game and, you know, can reflect on it, I'm interested in your thoughts. Well, certainly that particular campaign um, was, was, I think, well-conceived and and certainly got people talking. Uh, Our mutual friend Tom Webster wrote a really terrific blog post on his site, um, Brand Savant recently about this exact question. And, and he mentioned that people had been talking about a lack of calls to action uh, in the Super Bowl post. I don't remember if he linked to your post or not, but but uh, the, the point remains the same. And he said, well, the issue is that, you know, we're talking about marketing and that's advertising and that they have different uh, purposes and that what insurance has been able to do is get themselves into the consideration set with Geico and Progressive and some of the other ones. And that in and of itself is is worth a mountain of dollars in theory. I don't fully agree with him, but as usual, it was a very well articulated post, and, and certainly merits a read. We'll, we'll link it up. Uh, and so I think that's part of it, right? That Jeff, you and I 
are marketers. We are marketers through and through. We always have been. We are not advertisers. I have worked in an advertising agency, but I don't. I don't position myself as uh, as somebody who is an expert at advertising because I'm not. You and I are conditioned because of our, I think, background in the industry to always be thinking about funnels and calls to action and personas and conversion rates and things like that. Like we're not. We're not. We're not big awareness guys. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that colors our perception of this. I'm not saying that we're wrong, uh, but but it was interesting for me to read the other side of that coin. Do you, do you think that's a distinction without a difference though these days? Because my argument is that every bit of advertising you do is direct marketing today because of the smartphone. You know, we, uh, growing up, and we're kind of of a similar generation, Jay, I mean, I imagine you sat in communication or technology courses where they talked about this future of interactive television, right? And the idea that was that it was always going to be kind of something tethered or connected to your television provider. But what happened was, you know, with the, with the launch of the iPhone, all of a sudden everybody had that interactive device in their hand, that response mechanism in their hand, if only the television shows, if only the advertising would reach out and ask that consumer to interact with them. So, you know, I watched this year, and, and last year the only advertiser who asked for, or had any sort of SMS campaign was actually the nonprofit Wounded Warrior Project, asking you to text in to donate during the Super Bowl. This year nobody even had an SMS call to action at the national level. And so I wonder if, you know, um, we're given a free pass to our quote-unquote advertising brethren when the fact is they're they're dropping the ball, that awareness isn't enough. We need to be doing more with our advertising because we can now, because everybody has the response device in their hand. Yeah. Yeah, I also wonder, just as, as somebody who has been around some uh, big-budget ad campaigns in my day, I also wonder why people don't insist on it just for additional tracking, if nothing else, right? Even if, sure. even if, even if the rationale isn't... Um, uh, behavior or call to action or download this or whatever. It just gives you a, a second layer of data beyond just pre and post campaign awareness. Yeah, and it can't be an afterthought. And that's the thing. 99% of the, the social calls to action, if you can even call that in, in, in the ads for the Super Bowl, were afterthoughts. That's why insurance stood head and shoulders above the rest because it was the integrated, integrated. creative campaign. Yep. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Susan, Susan, what do you think? I love that integrated piece because he's absolutely right. I was surprised, too, how little social activation actually occurred. I expected a lot more, and I didn't see that many hashtags. I didn't even see that many Twitter icons or Pinterest or Facebook. year before, you saw a ton of yeah. Facebook URLs. You didn't see that. Yeah, there were no... Yeah, there were no Facebook URLs this year in my tracking. There were only a couple uses of the Facebook icon. Isn't that they would, amazing? They, they would big drop, yeah. And then hashtags planted uh, website URLs this year for the first time in terms of being the number one form of call to action, if you can call it a call to action in the way it was used. Right, and that's about the only traction you have besides, you know, like TV tracking for social. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even think half of them used it, which is amazing. Jeff, I think we need to send them all your book, audience, because you, you, you outline what the call to actions need to be. Um, and again, maybe it, like what Jay said as far as marketing versus advertising, but taking that integrated approach, it can only help. You know, it, it's definitely not going to hurt. You know, I don't, I don't think a book, 
the book's kind of not going to be enough. Do you remember the video that Kodak uh, did years ago that Jeff Hazlett was always, you know, uh, pulling out in his presentations? Yeah. Uh, with, right, the actor who's on Funny or Die now, you know, doing this giant, you know, we are about emotions and we, you know, yeah. we're about all this. <laughs> I, I, I think I've got a script that where I just go nuts. Like, and, and we put that out in September or, or you, know, uh, you know, even earlier so that the people who are planning for Super Bowl commercials uh, have no excuses whatsoever because, boy, if I'm some of those brands and I'm sitting there Monday morning, um, I'm, I'm firing some agency because yeah. just, you're, you're assuming a level of attention that does not exist today unless you do something really intriguing. If you do end up doing that video, um, you should hire the guys that did that Casino Law video. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That was the best video ever. 100%. <laughs> That, that gives us a reason to hopefully uh, embed that back into the show notes for a second time, which we've never done. We've never And Jay, Susan, and I will be backup singers for you or whatever. We'll be oh, backup yeah. zombies or whatever well, you guys, need us. We'll just, yeah. Guys, I haven't seen it, but I, I just saw the headline that some lawyer has done a response video to that. No. 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 Really. Yeah, I got to go oh. watch it now. <laughs> Jeff, for your birthday, I'm getting you a flaming sledgehammer. So that's, that's good news. Just, uh, well, the name, name is gonna be, yeah, whose name is going to be uh, on there? Joel Book. got to figure that out. Joel Book. Joel Book. Joel Book's got a beard. Oh, really? Joel Book's got a beard. I'm going to have yeah. to follow up on that. I'm going to have to get visual evidence of that. At, at Joel Book, everybody. Follow him now. Yes, please do. Living uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's bring this to a careening conclusion. Uh, Susan, the big two questions for you, the big two questions. I need a drum roll sounder for this. Uh, the first question, nice, is uh, what one tip would you give people looking to become a social pro? I would advise people to go and read up on every website that you plan on having a presence. So if you want to learn and be an expert, you have to follow Twitter and Facebook, read their material. You'd be amazed how much material they're actually giving marketers for free on their platforms. And when you join a company, make make the olive branch go out. Have those conversations with Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google. One of the first things I did was make those connections and build those platform relationships. And those vendors are doing a lot help our brand, just like they did when I was at Dell. But this is really critical for someone that wants to have traction. You have to set up those relationships, and they will start to work with you and help you develop strategies. So even if you feel like, for me, for example, I jumped into food. First time I've ever done food. I've done tech for years. So I leveraged those resources to bring me insight and intel, and they did a wonderful job. So really recommend people take that moment to reach out to all your major platforms you're going to interact with. Don't just rely on your agency or just a couple people in the building. Reach out to those folks. Lean hard on them, and they will produce mountains of data that you cannot get yourself. I highly recommend that. That is really good advice, and not advice we've had on the show before, and you're exactly right. All of those platforms have amazing resources at your disposal, not only just for free download, but also if you, if you ask and say, can someone please help me? Uh, generally, they can help you. Uh, and yeah, and they'll, they, they'll, they, create, they'll create custom decks for you. They will yeah. show you research data that you can't get yourself. So really, uh, I was like, wow, I opened a moment there. We've had them fly out and interact with various teams and do customized you know, presentations for different groups inside. It's been nice. really, really powerful. That's yeah. great. Second question and last question for Susan Beebe at Tyson Foods. If you could do a Skype call 
with any living person, who would it be and why? Alton Brown, because he's nice. a geek foodie like I am. So he's got that geeky science and nerd brain, and he's also a foodie, which I am also. And he loves to explain how food you know, tastes, or like caramelized sugar, like what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm a little curious kid inside, but I have a lot of that same kind of question. So I think Alton Brown would be a blast. That's a great one. And, and my kids have seen pretty much every episode of Good Eats. That's sort of how we got them interested in science and food at the same time. A great you show. You know he has a podcast now? Yes, I've heard that. I haven't heard the show, but I've heard that he has a, a, a show. I need to download that for one of my car trips. The Alton Browncast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that out for sure. Thank you. Susan, thanks so much for being on the show. You are a fantastic social pro. We appreciate your time. Congratulations on all the great stuff you're doing at Tyson. Hope to see you out there sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be on the air. Jeff, who's on the show next week? Uh, I think we're going to talk with the cast of the lego movie the cast of the lego movie that would be good yes because everybody on facebook just continues to talk about it and uh they they seem to be the type of folks you want to hang with these days you want to get anywhere in hollywood well they certainly got the word of mouth accomplished that is for sure actually it is not our guest next week though alas uh it will be greg hounslow who is head of social for WestJet, which is a very fast-growing, very successful Canadian airlines. We're going to talk to him about uh, the airline biz and social media and content marketing next week. Greg Hounslow from WestJet. Also, excited to let folks know that we have booked our special live guest at Social Media Marketing World. Myself and Jeff and Zena will be at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, joined by 2,500 or so other folks. Uh, and we're going to be doing a live uh, social post taping. Whether we're going to have people drop in on that or not, we're not certain yet. we got to figure it out. We may just do something impromptu in my room or something. Uh, but we're going to do a show with Brian Clark, uh, founder of Copyblogger. So that'll be a really good episode. I'm also doing four, not one, not two, not three but four sessions at Social Media Marketing World. Jeff and Zena are doing some as well. So you'll get plenty of us out there in San Diego uh, at that event. Looking forward to meeting a lot of our listeners while we're there. I'll be there too. I'm speaking. Oh, you're coming too. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Awesome. I'll be on the it's Twitter panel on Friday. It's a party. I want to I crash your, uh, your show. Excellent. Yeah, what we should do is have the audience of people who have been on. We have a lot of people who have been on the show will be at the conference. So that'd be kind of fun. We could do Jeff's number, and then Jeff can one up me back. Oh, I tell you what, this <laughs> is getting this is getting too complicated. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, as always, for listening. We appreciate your support. Numbers continue to skyrocket, so you must be telling your friends. We appreciate it. I'm Jay Bear. He's Jeff Rorsch. She's Zena Weist. And on behalf of Susan Beebe from Tyson Foods, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.